Thank you so much, Enrico. Morning, Edgemead. Are you guys all well? There goes my top wing. Yeah. I was wondering why, I'm gonna, why I need to even, even preach after all those testimonies and God just moving and speaking, because a lot of what's been covered, even the prayer time uh, this morning, a lot of what was coming out there was really what I want to share in the Lord with you this morning. And uh, so I, I prayed for this congregation. I always do that. I want to get a, bring a fresh manner every time. And uh, the Lord, for Edgemead, what do they need to hear? What, what do you want to say to Edgemead? And I believe in prophetic preaching that God is, we, we're a prophetic uh, apostolic uh, movement of churches. And uh, we're trying to find what God's saying in this particular situation. God is unique in the way he works with us. As much as we're all the same, we, we're different. And there's differences in different situations that we find ourselves in. That's the beauty of walking with the Lord Jesus. And this morning I want to speak on lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. And I feel... Even yeah, as we were praying even this morning, I felt the Lord say, in some ways there's been a settling in this congregation. And sorry, I felt also the Lord say to, to comfort you this morning. Comfort, comfort my people. Because, um, you know, see, it's so easy to, in preaching to drift into correctional words all the time and to forever just be corrected. And every time you hear a word, you've been corrected. And the Bible does say rebuke and, and uh, you know, with all, and, but it also says encourage with all authority. And God gives us authority to build up. Paul said, my authority is to build you up, not to break you down. So there's an authority on leadership to take God's people somewhere. And I really trust at the end of this time of, of just sharing God's word, and that's why I asked to position it this way before we go into worship. I want us to go into worship from a place of the word being received in our spirits. And, uh, and that we can respond, because we're called to respond. When you, you mustn't just walk out the doors. You must go out the doors, having God shifted you and changed you one step closer to glory and one step closer to being different and changed and, and uh, walking in sanctification and God just working and changing you for His glory. And so I felt that just, just the minor part of, of maybe correction and maybe it's a big part, depending on where you're at in the Lord, that there's been a settledness that's come on this congregation, that you settled for, this is okay, this is enough. And God wants to almost whet your appetite this morning for this more. And it's come through in the testimonies even. I'm so grateful for the testimonies. Oh, but what, there's, what, there's more. There's more. This morning, God wants to stretch your expectation of, of who he is. I love that. Yeah, in fact, I don't know why I'm preaching, because everyone shared exactly what I want to say virtually, of just trusting God and not for things, because things just come and go. They pass in this world. Um, but I'm feeling that the Lord wants to connect us in terms of our, our gaze. And where is our gaze set this morning? Is it on this world or is it on the world to come? And in theory, if I asked anyone here this morning, you know, in terms of what's your understanding of eternity and your purpose, and you would all answer, no, no, I believe, you know, we created to go and to, to serve God. We, we credit that we're going to be with Him one day in eternity and get resurrected bodies and it's going to be a new heaven, new earth. All that's going to take place. But often we don't live in that place. The theory is all there. The, the, the understanding is all there. But there's not often an outworking and a... And a a exact expression of, of that belief and that understanding. What you believe is so important because it'll be how you act and respond. Andrew and I met yesterday with a whole bunch of church elders from another city, and they're looking to, to join with us. 
And at the end of the time, we spent three, four hours with them, I think, yesterday, with these guys. And eventually I said, what do you see in us? Why do you want to be part of what we're doing? What do you taste? What, 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 what's, because we always say, you can look over your shoulder and see what is, what, what is there. He says, you guys are different. You take God seriously. You, there's, a, there's, a, there's fruit we see in your people. There's a hunger. There's a passion. There's an outworking. There's, a, there's life in what you're, what you're living in. We don't have that, what you've got. And even this morning, I feel God wants to, even if as there, there is life here, and there is. I mean, I was here last week. We came, brought our granddaughters. We sat at the back. It's very interesting when you sit at the back and you see, because often we, when you minister and you're part of church leadership, you sit in the front. But you sit at the back. You guys see something different, don't you, over there? And the worship here, I really enjoyed the worship here last Sunday. It was amazing. There is something that you guys have got. Edge me, there's something that you've got. But I feel God wants to stretch you into the more this morning. He wants you to lift up your eyes. I think for too many people, without even knowing it, slowly your, your gaze has drifted and you're looking down. You've got the knowledge, but there's not always an exact expression of that knowledge in your, in your life. Um, I want to, can we put up, I'm sorry, uh, I wanna, I've only got a bunch of scriptures here, so I might be a little bit out of order, but if you could put up that Hebrews scripture for me, please, Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. Um, well done, very fast. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great, and it's just spoken, uh, Hebrews 11 is all about the heroes of the faith and how they lived their lives and didn't always get what they expected, and, but they, they lived their lives dramatically for God and burning for Jesus. Um, and, and says these witnesses, talks about, references them. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you not grow weary and lose heart. So this morning I want to ask you, what is the joy set before you? He had a, he, when Jesus had to go through, he knew what he's going to have to go through, and he knew what he's going to experience, and he, what he's going to have to take upon himself in terms of our sin, and take all our sin and die for us that we might live. And, but he did because the joy is set before him. He saw you guys. He saw us, that we would be here, 2022. He knew that this, we would exist, that we'd be in this place. And, then, and he knew that he'd be seated at the right hand of the Father. He'd, he would break the power of, of death and sin over us. And we would be, and if, as a people, we'd be rescued and brought into life. And that was the joy in his heart that was set before him. So it made it easier to go to the cross. It wasn't a walk in the park, but it, it was for the joy set before him. What is the joy set before you this morning? Are you eyes totally fixated on Jesus? And I, then I thought about the expression, you know, just look to Jesus. When you've got a problem, people will say, you know, just look to Jesus. Like, okay, well, where is he? You know, how do I just look to Jesus? When it, it, says, it can become a cliche eventually. Look to Jesus. And I pondered that and I thought, you know, how do we express that? And and I think some of it is, is expressed here because we're the body. You know, 1 John 4.20, I didn't give that to you. I'm just going to quote it. 1 John 4.20 says, how can you say you love God who you've never seen? Vertical relationship. If you can't love man who you can see. That's why it's so important. 
You know, the whole expression of our Christianity is, is as us, not as a me and I. It's us that we express. And so a lot of what got the, the when looking to Jesus, the, a lot of the answer will come through people. A lot of the, the bringing through and the caring will be us walking and doing this journey together as a body. You know, I see you've got a, a pantry fund there. And I know in Durbanville, I led Durbanville for 10 years, just handed over last year. And we had, a, we had a, a pantry fund as well. And I asked all our leaders, I said, every single leader, I want you to give to that fund. Even if you are on that fund, I want you to give something. If it's just symbolic that you are giving, not just receiving all the time, that you are giving into that fund. And then we trained our people, you know, because you often say, right, we need to go forward. We need a, Dimville's building a building right now. It's almost, its roof is on and it's making incredible progress. But sometimes you need money to, for ministry or whatever. There's a lot of things that, that finance is very much part of our journey in this life. And you say, guys, we need money. And everyone looks at you, but there's, there's no way they're giving because they're just thinking, I've, have you seen my bank account? Uh, you know, go look, go find somebody else. So we realized we can't sound the battle call on the area of finance if everybody's in a bad place financially. Then we, we've got, we, we're lopsided. We, we're weak in this area. So what did we do? We had to train our guys how to get out of debt. How did they live their lives differently? So we say, look to Jesus. There was, they could look to Jesus. They could know that he would bring them through. We, we trained them practically and physically. We got the experts in the area of finance to stand up and chartered accountants or whatever and, and say, this is how you order your finances. We got a top businessman who's a multi, multi-millionaire. Get up and say, hey, when I got married, I carried my wife into our flat. And there was nothing in that flat because I refused to go into debt. He, and, he, the, and how he lived his life that, because people say, oh, look how rich you are. Yeah, but you don't know. I ordered my life. I, I, I disciplined my life to get to that place. And so looking to Jesus sounds, you know, when, you, when someone says to you, I've got a financial problem, and, um, and you say, well, just look to Jesus. But sometimes looking to Jesus means, hey, come and help me. Come and help me get my finances in order. And let's be real with each other. Because you guys jumped the gun here, man. I was going to ask for that prayer to pray for finance and stuff for each other. And I, I don't believe we should just have a, you know, I thought, do I, do I get everybody to stand up who's got a financial problem? And we just pray and magically it's all going to just be resolved. There is an aspect of God does step in and help in those, in those ways, like we heard this morning. There's also aspects of just being disciplined in this area. And just changing your life around so that you can be in a different place. Sometimes it does, you know, for the joy set before him, Lord, I will change, I'll, I'll downscale my house. I will sell one car and have two cars. And, you know, for the sake of, because I can't give. When they say, guys, we need to bless these guys who are going uh, on an outreach somewhere. Let's collect some money for them. No, go, go look to the rich people. Leave me out of this. But the Macedonian church begged for the privilege of being able to give, and they were poor. They were poor, like a, town, like a township church that we would understand. And said, no, please, the privilege of being able to give, that this congregation will be known as those who are so generous and those who just want to give. But you can't be generous with your credit card. You've got to be generous from a place of strength. And sometimes it's just practical things in walking out your, your walk with Jesus and getting these things right. For the joy is set before him. I'm, 
there's a mixture when we're preaching and we're training God's people of deep spiritual truths, but often the implementation, those are quite practical sometimes and quite just real and on the ground. Joy set before him. What are the joy set before you? Because you see, you will live your life differently. We'll, I don't mean to highlight finances so much, but um, you know, if, if you sold out for Jesus and your heart is the joy set before you, you will order and change your life around so much to live for him. When we did that Durbanville building, and please forgive me if I share stories that I've shared before. Um, about four or five years ago, we were sit, we we're discussing financing that Durbanville uh, church building because we were struggling. We were in a school and it was very difficult the way we were set up and running. It wasn't an easy situation. We were quite constrained by the size of the building, all these things. And we went away as, as a bunch of elders with Andrew at the beginning of the year, as we always do. And, um, and we, the, the situation of Durbanville came up, of the building. And Andrew turned to me in, in front of everyone. He said, Russell... I can't ask the church for any more money. Um, we've asked for Muscle Bay and this place and that place. As a leader, sometimes we realize we can't overburden the people in asking for, for them to contribute. He said, Durbanville, you're on your own. I said, yeah, okay. So the guys looked at me and they, all, they said, are you okay with that? So I said, oh, I'll, I'll find the faith for it. I'll, I'll ask the Lord. And then during that time, I just felt the Lord speak to me. And, and I, I said, and, I, and just like, would you give everything? And I, we had lost a whole house in business years, many years ago. We'd lost a whole property, it had been paid off, we had nothing. We came to Cape Town 23 or 4 years ago, and we came with zero, like no house, nothing. And we had a restart, press restart. I got back into the corporate world, a job again. And we bought a house here in Monte Vista, 100% um, bond. And um, it was amazing how we. And, uh, and shortly after that, we went into uh, ministry, and uh, you, know, you don't get paid a lot in ministry generally, and so our salary wasn't a lot. And so we struggled to, to pay for this house. And then we almost finished paying it off, and, and I felt, I went to, I remember my past chatting with Jenny, I said, we've got to go live in a caravan, um, and, to, and we'll sell our house to put into this Durnville money, we'll do that. Because I could visualize one person getting saved, coming to that building. You know, it's just a building. It's not, that's not Jesus. We know that. We know that. Okay, let's settle that. But our culture, our society, people come to buildings. They don't go and sit under the tree. And it keeps the rain off our heads and the sun and that type of thing. And I knew people would, we seen it Sunday. We, we built that church in 20-something years ago from ground zero. I oversaw that building project. And people have come in there. People have got born again there. Lives have turned around for eternity. I could visualize one person, that the joy set before me was that one person getting born again because we managed to get that building and people came. We went to another church, Jenny and I were on leave once, we went to another church um, in Durbanville and they just built a new building and people were pouring into that place. And when they asked for help, when they raised, said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? I, I don't know, about 20 people raised their hands and, and gave their lives to Jesus. They, they, these things are facilities to get you may be all arguing in your mind with me right now. That's not, but they were getting born again. That's the reality of it. And I realized this is a tool that of getting people into hearing the word of God and getting born again. So what we've learned in our life is to accept ground zero. And I don't put expectations on God, but I do in a sense, if that makes sense. My God will look after me. He's good. He'll provide. 
But even like, but like, even like Daniel said in the fire, even if God doesn't come through the way I expect him to, I will still serve him. See, if you can get to that place of ground zero that joy set before you, you'll be able to endure your cross. Because he says, take up your cross daily. And so many of us, especially in modern and Western society, have got expectations of God. That, Lord, you will come through like this and this and this. This is how you will be. And this is how you, you will act. And then in their theology, they settle that. And then they get disappointed when God doesn't. And slowly they lose hope in God. And they hear, but they're not here. They hear in body, but their hearts are far from serving God like they should. And I want to just challenge us this morning and, and comfort us that God says, for the joy set before you, that you are able to endure the things of this world. This, Jesus warned us in uh, John 16, 33. So I've told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Not may, you will. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So it's not kingdom now theology, that heaven will now be on this earth now, this time, because it's very clear in Scripture that there's going to come a time of incredible wiping away of tears and no more pain, no more sickness. That, that time will come. But in this life, we will have trouble. There will be difficulties to overcome. There will be sickness. There will be things that we have to contend with and fight against, and we must never stop fighting. I love the, that story of fighting for that lady, praying for her. What a story. Because that is overcoming the things of this world. That is overcoming the obstacles and the things of this world. That we contend and fight for victory and the peace that God says. You may have peace. Do we have absolute peace? Because God's offering peace and joy this morning. He's saying, my peace and my joy should rest upon you, no matter what your circumstances. Because I know I've lived in both worlds, so to speak. I've lived in the corporate and business world for more than 24 years, and ministry now for over 20 years. And, and you know, as a leader, you want to take God's people forward. Come on, let's do this. Pick someone else, you know. I've got children to get to school. I've got homework to be done at night. I've got this, I've got that. And we've got all the reasons, but... Let's be those who overcome and live in the fullness of where God wants us to be. The joy is set before you. In Psalm 121, 1 and 2, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God's encouraging us. I believe God wants to encourage us this morning to lift up our eyes. Without even knowing it, you slowly, some of us have slowly, our eyes have drifted down and we're looking down. In our spirit, there's not an upliftment, there's not an excitement, there's not an, God, use me, pick me. I'll, I'll do it, Lord. I'll, I'm, I'll be there. I'll be, use me in every, any situation. Some of us have dialed out, and that's not what God wants. He wants to encourage us this morning. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. God is on the throne, folks. He's on the throne. Don't worry about the, the world. The world, yes, it is spiraling out of control. It's going crazy on us. But that shouldn't be the reason as church we pull back and then just go and focus on our work and focus on our businesses and focus on our families and just duck out of what the Lord wants to do in and through us. Lift up your eyes this morning for the joy is set before you that you can endure the cross that you've got to bear in this life. And some of the things in this world will weaken you. I had a bit of an epiphany. How do you explain an epiphany? It's like a sudden realization, an understanding because um, about a year and a half ago, I went through a serious COVID moment where basically they said, you're probably not going to make it. And say, they said, go, say, go, basically say goodbye to this world, which I did. And, um, and it made me weak physically and sometimes emotionally. 
Um, and as a man, that was very challenging because, you know, I, could, I, was actually, I, really, I thought back, you know, just before I got that COVID and ended up in ICU and all that type of thing, I was actually, quite, I felt quite strong about life. And I, as much as I understand that we're not, our dependence is not on our strength and who we are and our abilities, I knew all that theoretically. But I felt God take me to a new level of understanding that spiritually. That, Lord, I'm so dependent on you now. Right now, I'm so dependent on God. I just realized I've, I've got nothing to offer you physically and in terms of myself. I really haven't. I feel I've been stripped of all that. As a man, you want to be strong. You want to be able to pick up things. I have to call my sons now to come. Hey, can you pick that up for me and move that over there? Whereas before, I could do it. And I felt, you feel weakened in your, in your natural, but I feel so alive in the spirit and understand that, God, you enable and give me the ability to, to shine for you in this life. I've become so aware of the dependence I have on the Lord Jesus. How's it, John? Man, they've got one life to live. Let's go. Let's, I feel God wants to shift something this morning in us spiritually. He wants to comfort in a sense. And he wants, I feel God wants you to know that he, he knows what, you, what you're going through now and what you might have been through and what you might be going to go through. He wants you to prepare you to totally look, lift your eyes up and for the joy set before you. Understand that we're not made for this world. We're made for another world. And we need to taste heaven in a sense sometimes. And, and Lord, you know, the Bible says we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father. And there's a, you are seated with Christ right now. You're, you're, in a, you're in a safe place. You know, so much of the Bible it talks about us about God protecting us and caring for us. And, and sometimes it doesn't always understand, translate into reality of this life. And sometimes you know, we go through difficult things. And Lord, but in your word, you promised, you said. But he promises to bring us through in our souls. Physically, he warned us, you may have hardship in this life. And even actually it might affect your soul, which is your, your, your emotions, your mind, your will. All these things may be affected by the things that take place in this world. But determine right now that you will, for the cross set, for the joy set before you, you'll endure the cross. You'll enjoy, you'll endure what happens to you in this life. You'll be those who walk in victory and your God will reign in your life because of what Jesus did at the cross. If we have a wrong expectation of God, if we are pointed in the wrong direction, we're going to get hurt in this life. We're going to lose faith in God. We're going to lose hope in God. And I believe God wants to comfort there are times when God just, you know, my, your rod and your staff comfort me. Sometimes one, one brings closer and one sometimes just brings discipline because God disciplines those that he loves. Hebrews 12. Maybe God is disciplining you, but will you resist that discipline or will you embrace it and say, Lord, I got it wrong. I got into debt. I shouldn't have got into debt. I bought stuff I couldn't afford. You know, you get those adverts come through. Well, nowadays, not so much printed. It's more on your phone, adverts from Macro or something, you know. These are deals that you need. No, I don't need that stuff. I don't, you know. So this will complete your life. And it won't complete my life. It will complete my debt. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10, please. Now, Paul's talking about uh, a thorn in his flesh, and he had begged God three times to remove this thorn in his flesh. 
We don't know exactly what it was. It could have been Jews that harassed him. It could have been eye problems. There's so many speculations. That that's not the point. The point is he was harassed by something. It was really bugging him. And he begged God three times, God, won't you remove this thing from me? And then he realized, wait a minute, God's given me this thing because to stop me getting big-headed and full of pride because he had seen things in the Spirit. He'd been, God had shown him things. And he said, to keep me from being conceited, prideful, because of these surpassingly great revelations. He had seen stuff, and that's why he wrote so much of the New Testament, because the things that he saw and understood about God. There was given me a thorn in my flesh. It just, it just brought him down to earth. It just brought him back to reality. A messenger of Satan to torment me. How many of you are sitting here this morning having a messenger of Satan tormenting you? You know, get behind me, Satan. Rebuke the devil. Bind him, loosen him, spit him, carry on and get rid of him. But sometimes the devil's allowed under God. And man, we, we're struggling at the moment with theology with people and doctrines and understanding of God. It's eating the church from the inside with false teaching. We're getting so many, much false teaching. Paul said, I proclaim to you the whole will of God, the whole teaching of God. You've got to understand the fullness of how God works. I mean, I've heard preachers teaching against things like this, and, this, and, and they reinterpret Scripture. No, it was, it's not, you know, but this is quite simple. For me, it's quite straightforward. Um, to torment me, um, is at the end of, three times I pleaded with God, the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I don't know about you, but I want to boast about my strengths. I want to get up here and tell you how amazing I am and how great I, how this power in God and how everybody I pray for gets healed. And, every, you know, and you, you want people to be impressed by you. That's human nature. It's the flesh coming out of us. But he wants to boast in his weakness that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And I can testify to that in the first hand. That I'm feeling quite weak in the flesh. I went for a biopsy this week for cancer. I'm going to get the results next week. And you don't, you know, I feel weak in the flesh. But man, I feel so strong in God. You know, but right when I got saved 42 years ago, I said, Lord, you're on the throne here. I want you to be on the throne. I've been tested on that. And I've been challenged on that many times in my life. When things are difficult financially, when you've got your business going down, or my business, someone, actually someone else's business went down in the family and affected my business. My business actually was doing all right. That's how we lost. Um, but when you've got your back to the wall financially and, and you don't know how you're going to feed your kids tomorrow and all that type of thing, like Dimitri was sharing, you know, just these little detailed things of, of wanting God to provide. In those weak moments... As a father, as a, you know, I'm speaking to men now, you want to be able to provide, man. You know, I've got three sons on their 30s now, and, they, and sometimes even now they're going through financial challenges, and they got, some of them have got their own businesses, and, and you just want to step in there, and, and I, I'm, I'm weak. I don't have the money to help them out. And as a dad, you just want to help out your kids, you know. And you realize they've got to go through this themselves. I'll do the best I can. I can be there, encourage and comfort, but I can't bail you out. And help you in, in areas that you may need. Um, you know, so these things, you're going to feel weak. You're going to be going through weaknesses where, Lord, I don't understand. 
but you're on the throne of my heart. And I take comfort in, Lord, that, that I'm, with, I'm with you. I'm with you. Wilma Rhea, I was just chatting with Dave this morning. I said, Dave, do you miss him? Terribly. I miss Will a lot. Wilma Rhea. But he doesn't care about the interest rate right now. He doesn't care about it's going to rain or there's going to be a drought this winter or, you know. He's with the Lord in glory. He's run his race beautifully, incredibly. These things will pass. And we've got to watch out. The enemy doesn't, because the devil would love to make us ineffective in this lifetime for him, for the Lord Jesus. And he will neutralize the body of Christ. Just come here on Sunday to listen to messages, worship, you know, kids' church, have some coffee afterwards, good fellowship, bras, watch the rugby, watch football last night. I think Liverpool won. Someone's happy. Anybody need comfort? <laughs> Kevin will pray for you. <laughs> but let Jesus rule and reign this morning. Lift up your eyes. And I'll finish on the last scripture, 2 Corinthians 4. A little bit of a, quite a chunk we're going to read if that's okay. I love the word of God. And it's really uh, powerful. And it speaks into our spirits. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore... We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now we know that if the earthly tent, our bodies, we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and we know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know that it, what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men what, we, what is plain to God, and our, hope also, and our hope is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. Is that as far as I got? Yeah. So his boss says, don't lose heart in these times. Okay, guard your heart for the wellspring of life. Did I read that scripture? No, I didn't. Um, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life and you have to guard your heart the enemy if he can get you to have a sick heart and a downcast heart and caught up in the cares and the worries of this world you'll become ineffectual for God and you'll be neutralized 
by the enemy. And your focus will be on this world, almost like you're just trying to get to the end. And God doesn't want us just to get to the end. He wants us to be victorious in this life. He said, you have overcome the world, and we can walk in the same way that he overcame the world. He, he, and he went, and he died on the cross. That was overcoming. They saw it as defeat. They thought, his brother, this was a waste of time. Even his own disciples thought he's been defeated. But he rose again on the third day and conquered death, that we might live in him and be born again and know the Spirit. But this morning, I really want to pray that if you have in any way allowed the enemy to just to dis, discourage you, that God wants you to take heart, be encouraged by the victory on the cross. Lift up your eyes this morning. Lift them up. Lift in your spirit, not just your physical eyes, but lift up your spiritual eyes this morning and understand that Jesus is on the throne right now. He's reigning and ruling. This world is totally still under his control. As much as the enemy has got a strong influence in this world and is allowed to have his way for a moment and for a time, we do not fear that. We do not allow that to affect us in this life. We're going to have battles. We're going to be, things are going to come against us. Be ready for that. Don't be caught by surprise. It's not a big, whoa, surprise moment. It's going to happen. But take heart. He has overcome. I'm repeating myself over and over because I want you to, to, to sink into our spirits, to bring, fan into flame, the life of God within our hearts this morning. Because some of you had calls over your life. God has spoken over your life, and you're not walking in what God's called you into, and He wants you to walk into it. He wants you to finish well. He wants you to run your race well. There's so much that this congregation is called into, so much. He's, he says he's given us deposit of his spirit. Do you have the deposit of the Holy Spirit in you? You've been filled with the spirit. Because the Bible, Jesus has to give you the Holy Spirit, and Pentecost had happened. And he says to, to be witnesses. There will be power to be witnesses for Jesus. That, that even in your financial situation, when people see you at work, and they watch your life, and they see how God comes through. And they, even if things are not going the way things should be going, that you still praise your God, you still worship Him, you won't let go of who He is. So don't lose heart. Stay strong in Him. Understand that we are all weak. There's not one of us. Paul was probably, you know, one of the thoughts he was a strong guy, but actually he was brought down to earth and realized that he is actually weak and he needs the Lord Jesus totally in his life. I, did, I know we've done a lot in the area of finance this morning and prayed for finance. But I feel the Lord's not finished with that yet. Um, I really feel that God wants to bring breakthrough in people's lives here this morning in the area of finance. That you'd find freedom. And it may just be in practical ways. You, may need to, in your, you might need to drop your pride and ask for help amongst those amongst us here. And, and get help and receive help from people. Why don't we stand? And I want us to go into a time of worship.